So Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him, prison, put him in prison because of Herodias, his, brother's, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought, out, brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. Yeah, good to see you guys all again. Uh, my name is Paul, and um, yeah, if you keep that passage open, that's what we're going to be looking at. But how would I pray uh, for God's help uh, as we hear him speak now? Father, we do uh, give you great thanks for your word. We know that it is sharper than any double-edged sword, uh, that it seeks to teach, uh, rebuke, train, train us in righteousness. May we have ears and hearts and lives open uh, to receive it now. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, one of uh, my favourite things to read growing up uh, was Aesop's Fables. Uh, many of you guys heard of them. It's like, you know, uh, fairy tales or little stories that often have a moral. Uh, one of them goes a little bit like this. It's about a fox and a lion. It says, I think there's a picture up here. It says, when first the fox saw the lion, he was terribly frightened. He ran away and hid himself in the woods. Next time, however, he came with the king of beasts, he stopped at a safe distance and watched him pass by. The third time, he came right up, uh, straight to the lion, asked him how his family was. Uh, he asked when would he would have the pleasure of seeing him again. Then turning his tail, he parted from the lion without much ceremony. It's a cute little tale, isn't it? I wonder if you, you can pick, I guess, the moral of this story. It's, I reckon it's pretty obvious, isn't it? If you, you come across some talking animals in the woods, just walk away. <laughs> Keep your distance. That's, that's not the moral, is it? The, the moral here is that familiarity, being overly familiar with something, can lead to a lack of respect. Familiarity can breed contempt. But this, this lesson of being overly familiar isn't just found in you know, the, the stuff of fables and story tales. Uh, I'm reminded of this every time I head to the New Zealand bush. Here's a, a picture of a place that I went and explored uh, last year. It's 
a real picture. I was there. And I'm reminded every time I step into the New Zealand bush that I need to have a right respect of the bush. So often people are caught out because they don't have that respect. The changeableness of the weather in the New Zealand bush. Often get, get, people get caught out. You know, it doesn't matter how experienced you are, how prepared you are, if you don't have the right respect, the mountains can be a perilous place. I'm also reminded of this idea of being overly familiar in relationships. I don't know if you have had that experience of you're chatting with uh, a friend or, or, you know, someone, a, a good mate, and uh, you'll be chatting along, just, you know, talking not about much, and then you'll, you'll say something where, you know, it kind of oversteps the line and the, the conversation stops and you realise, oh man, what, what did I say? I shouldn't have said something. Because the truth is, even in relationships, you know, there's boundaries, isn't there? Uh, being overly familiar with someone doesn't mean there isn't a level of respect. You see, familiarity can breed contempt. And I think there's nowhere else we see this more clearly than in how people treat Jesus. Think about it at Christmas. People go, oh yeah, Jesus, he's just that baby in a manger. You know, you see him around at the shopping malls in the nice box, in the, you know, in the manger. That's Jesus. Familiar, comfortable, that's who he is. Or, you know, you talk to some people and they're like, oh, he's just a historical figure. He's just a, you know, a good moral teacher. I know often when I'm chatting to people about Jesus, uh, often the conversation grinds to a halt as they're like, they've already got him in a box. They already think like they know him. But the sad thing is, many people think they know Jesus, but they don't. They don't actually know him at all. Their opinion is, is just based on culture or different experiences from Christians and churches. They're actually not familiar with Jesus at all. They've never actually taken the time to, to stop and look at who he is. And I wonder, is that some of you? You know, maybe uh, you've been around church for a little bit, but actually maybe you actually really haven't come to, think, have come to, to know who Jesus is. Maybe you're the first one and saying, yeah, I haven't really taken the time to consider who he is. Well, I'd say to you, we're just so glad that you're here. We love it that you've come here tonight to look at the Bible, to hear uh, who Jesus is. Every week at Sedona Hill, that's what we do. We open the Bible and we look at the Word and we want to see who Jesus is. But I reckon for many of us here tonight, we are familiar with Jesus, aren't we? We know our Bibles. You could tell me many stories. You could quote more scripture than me probably. But I wonder, are we in danger of being over-familiar with Jesus? Well, whether you're ignorant, if you don't really know much about Jesus, or if you're familiar, uh, the, the question I want you to ponder tonight is, how do you respond to Jesus' teaching? How do you respond to Jesus' teaching? And before, before we dive in uh, to our passage uh, for tonight, uh, it's helpful to, you know, to think uh, what's been happening up to Matthew's Gospel at this point. Andy already said, you know, we've been working through Matthew's Gospel for the last three years. It's not our custom usually to just plonk ourselves down in the middle end of a chapter. Seems like a weird place, but this is where we're up to. And so what's been happening? Well, in chapters 11 to 13, up to this point, Jesus has been going around teaching in in towns around Galilee. And uh, he's he's been been teaching, he's been performing miracles. And Jesus uh, has been inviting people to come follow him. 
I reckon one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible is found in this section where Jesus invites people. He said this in in chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says to the crowds who were listening, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus offers the crowd something incredible, something beyond this world. He offers them rest for their souls, a rest that is found in Jesus, a rest for eternity. But how how have people responded as he's gone around teaching? Well, it's been actually an overwhelmingly sad response. In in chapter 11, verse 20, uh, he, 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 he says this, Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Or in 12.24, Jesus is, is in this conflict with the Pharisees. Jesus has just, just driven out a demon out of a person. And the Pharisees say, we know who you are, Jesus. It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that you drive out demons. You see, the, the crowds see Jesus doing these miracles and they reject him. The teachers of the day see him doing these things and they go, man, you're evil. See, Jesus' life and teaching was just as divisive then as it is today. And we see this no more clearly than in chapter 13, just before what we're about to touch on today. Jesus, he's been teaching in parables. And these parables were drawing the line for, for everyone listening. Drawing the line of, will you listen to me or will you ignore me? Will you be a part of my kingdom or will you reject me? So it's into this context in which we come to our story today. And the question is there for us. How will we respond to Jesus' teaching? Will we be like the crowd? Will we be like the Pharisees? How will we respond? In the Bible reading for today, we read two episodes. And you would have seen it's pretty clear the, from verse 53 to 58 and then verse 1 to 12 of chapter 14. And today we're, we're mainly going to be looking on that, the first little episode. We'll touch on the second one a little bit. Uh, But in that first episode, we're going to kind of see three movements, three stages in this this scene. The first thing we're going to see is we're going to see Jesus' hometown visit. Then we're going to see the reception he receives. And then we're going to see the response Jesus has to his hometown. And then we're going to wrap it up and think about, actually, what does this mean for us today? So firstly, Jesus' hometown visit. Let's, Let's look at again at this passage. Let's look at verse 53. Uh, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Jesus moves on from the towns of Galilee, from the crowds. And he moves on. I, I think he moves on mainly because the people haven't wanted to listen to him. And Jesus heads home. I wonder, I wonder how Jesus is feeling at this moment. I wonder, how do you feel, you know, when you head home? I know for myself, uh, it's been two years since I've travelled home to to see my family in Sydney. Uh, And I know whenever I do, there's this sense of joy and, you know, anticipation. As you know, I wander into my my mum and dad's house and, you know, I can just just be, be relaxed. I can go plump myself down on the couch. I can open the fridge. And often my mum's got it stocked with all these favourite things I love. See, coming home for me is kind of relaxing and, and refreshing. But Jesus is so different to us, isn't he? Jesus has a mission. He has a purpose. He doesn't come home just for a break. 
he comes home to teach. And this, this shouldn't surprise us. Wherever Jesus travelled, this is like the first thing he would do. He would get on with teaching people. But in Jesus' hometown, there's a, there's a subtle hint that not all is well. I wonder if you saw that in verse 53 or 54. Jesus began teaching in their synagogue. There seems to be this, this disconnect or uh, dis- distance from him and his hometown. But nonetheless, Jesus began teaching. The, the camera pans out, focuses on the reception that he receives. How does his hometown receive him? Well, firstly, he's met with amazement. It says it there, doesn't it? Uh, the, the town were amazed. Literally, the word there is kind of thunderstruck. They are astonished at Jesus and his teaching. And their astonishment led them to question, where did Jesus get this wisdom and his, his miraculous powers from? The first thing that, that draws comment from his hometown is his wisdom. They're struck by the way he taught. They've never come face to face with anyone who has spoken like him before. His wisdom is what made him stand out. I wonder, what, what is it for you that, that causes you to be astonished? For me, I think of when I go and see a professional orchestra live in concert. It's one of my favourite things to do with Mel on a date night. We've you know, gone to Michael Fowler Centre or we went to the Opera House, we went back in Sydney. And uh, every single time I would come away in awe and amazement of the musicians. Every single time I'm blown away by their talent, by the way they just play in unison, these amazing scores. I reckon I could just sit and listen to them forever. But rarely, rarely do I have that response when someone's speaking Often it's more the case of, man, when is this person going to just stop talking? You know, maybe some of you are thinking that even now. You're thinking, Paul, I'm watching the clock. I can smell the dinner. You know, how long has he got to go? I can tell you about halfway. No. no. Um, but awe and amazement is how Jesus' teaching is received. Jesus' hometown is blown away. And this is the same response everywhere he went. People would come and listen to him for days. They would go without food to listen to Jesus' teaching. See, for Jesus' hometown, there's no doubting his wisdom, his power, the authority that he has. But the question they have is, where did he get it from? And you can kind of understand. The question is a bit understandable. Jesus isn't a scholar, and his hometown crowd knew a great deal about him. We, We see what they're thinking in verse 55 there. It says... Uh, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother named Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? You see, Jesus, his teaching and who he is, is, is met with amazement, but then it's also met with familiarity. His hometown is, is baffled. They're like, we know this guy's parents. We know where he grew up. Where did he get these things from? Jesus' hometown can't get their heads around their their familiar and comfortable knowledge about Jesus. You know, he's just a blue-collar carpenter's son. You know, he learnt to ride the donkey with with my son. Jesus' hometown, thanks Dave, sought to, to, to fit him into their comfortable box. A box, you know, that didn't demand anything of them. A box that didn't challenge their way of life. 
Just putting Jesus over there was enough. And this, this is human nature, isn't it? We don't like it when, when someone challenges our thinking. We don't want anything or anyone to, you know, kind of rock the boat, to, to challenge our comforts, to challenge the way that we've set up our lives. Mark Twain famously said this. He said, when I was a boy of 14, I think there's a, it will come on the screen. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old men around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in those seven years. Do you get it? It's funny, isn't it? Like the, it's a, but it paints a telling picture, doesn't it? I reckon I was the same when I was 14, maybe even when I was 20. When we think we have all the knowledge we need, we don't let anyone teach us, especially when it's someone we know so well. But only when we humble ourselves can we be taught. And this is the, the reality for Jesus' hometown. They weren't willing to humble themselves and be taught by Jesus. And it was all because their familiarity led to contempt. We see this in verse 57, don't we? What their contempt leads them to. Did you see it there? They took offence at him. I think it's striking. They took offence at Jesus. It's not his teaching that they're offended by. It's him. They can't get their head around that this guy who grew up in the same neighbourhood as them could teach them with this power and authority. And so what's Jesus' response to his hometown? Well, verse 57 tells us. Jesus says this, A prophet is not without honour except in his own town and in his own home. Jesus' comment here is striking, isn't it? Only in his hometown is he not given the honour and respect he deserves. It'd be kind of like Richie McCaw uh, heading back to his hometown of Omaru. Uh, you know, he waltzes into the, the local primary school there and he begins teaching the, the kids rugby. Um, and then imagine if some of the, the school teachers came over to Richie and were like, mate, what are you doing? Why are you teaching these kids? Who do you think you are? You're just Donald and Margaret's son. You're just a farming lad. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? They're not giving Richie McCaw the, the honour and the respect that he deserves. And that's exactly how Jesus' hometown treats him. They reject who he is. And did you see how Jesus responds? Well, he did not do many miracles there because of the lack of faith. Because of their rejection of Jesus, he shakes the dust off his shoes and heads elsewhere. And this is how people often treat Jesus. They reject him. They don't take him seriously. They just box him. Herod, in the next chapter, the start of chapter 14, when he hears about everything Jesus is doing, he says, yeah, I know, I know Jesus. That's just John the Baptist raised from the dead. The man, he got killed and got his head put on a platter. Herod is more comfortable saying, Jesus is, is that guy, the guy who, you know, I got killed. He's no one to worry about than actually humbling himself to recognise who Jesus really is. You see, the hometown and Herod, their ignorance and pride causes them to reject Jesus. But the answer 
Jesus' hometown was, was looking for is actually there the whole time. Where did Jesus get his wisdom and power from? Well, only a couple of chapters earlier, in chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus says this. He says, All these things have been given to me by my Father. Jesus is saying, he's declaring here, all his wisdom, his power, his authority has been given to him by God, his Father. Jesus is the Son of God who's come to walk in his world. And there's no part of this world he doesn't have authority over. We see this no more clearly than when he went to the cross. We see his wisdom, his power and authority seen there. It's on display because he doesn't just die on the cross, but he rises again to show he has authority. Authority over death. Authority over sin. Authority to bring people back to God. And it's because of his death and resurrection that he can offer people an invitation into his eternal kingdom. See, Jesus is the one worthy of all honour and praise because he is God. Jesus' hometown thought they'd figured Jesus out. They thought they knew where he was from. They said, oh, he's just from number four Straight Street down there. How wrong they were. Jesus was from heaven. They thought they could just box him and, you know, put him to one side in their lives. But how wrong they were to reject Jesus, who was God's son. You see, familiarity can breed contempt. But what, is, what does this story have to do with us today? Well, I think as we hear this story, it could be so easy to be critical of Jesus' hometown, to, to judge them. But I want us to, you know, pause for a moment to think about the question I asked you at the beginning. How do you respond to Jesus' teaching? Are you someone who responds with familiarity? Let me tell you about a friend of mine. He, he was someone I grew up with and went to church with. Uh, he was a really good friend. And uh, he actually was a few years older than me. He became a youth group leader at the church I went to. And I remember often meeting up with him to read the Bible uh, many, many, many encouraging times with him looking at who Jesus was in the Bible. But it was when I went to university that actually a subtle change started to occur in my friend. We'd, we'd catch up and I'd bring my Bible like I, we'd always done and he'd say to me, Paul, we don't need to read that now. Just close that up. You know, I'd say to him, you know, oh, why is that? And he'd say, oh, you know, Jesus, he just demands too much of my time. We can't really take Jesus' word that seriously. You know, we've read it so much before. We don't, we don't need to invest our time into it now. You know, I've got, I've got a real job now. I've got real responsibilities. For my friend, his rejection of, of Jesus' words was a rejection of Jesus. You know, it was a, a slow, subtle shift in his life where he was like, I'm not going to listen to Jesus anymore. His Christian experience you know, became this kind of going through the motions. It was comfortable. Jesus didn't demand anything of his time because he didn't have Jesus as his king. But my friend became so familiar with Jesus that it was utterly dangerous. His familiarity led him to contempt as he didn't honour Jesus for who he is, 
the God and Lord of this universe. And him rejecting Jesus meant he rejected his word. He said, I don't need to read that. I wonder, is that how we sometimes treat Jesus' words? Are we so familiar with them that they kind of just wash over us? We don't actually stop and think about what it mean, might mean for our life. We don't actually stop and think, actually, this is the risen Lord Jesus' word to us. I wonder, when was the last time you read, read the Bible and you stop and thought, actually, me reading this now, how's it going to change the rest of my day? How's it going to change the next hour if I was to take this seriously? If you're someone here who, you know, uh, is just going through the motions with Jesus, who's just put Jesus off to one side of your life, but the words of Jesus kind of just bounce off you, well, there's a warning for you today. Don't be like Jesus' hometown. A hometown with the, where their familiarity with Jesus stopped them from hearing him and honouring him and ultimately it meant they rejected him. Are you someone who responds like that with familiarity? Or are you someone who responds with faith? Do you respond with faith as you hear Jesus' words? You accept them. You cherish them. Because you realise these are the words from the risen King Jesus. You treat them as what they are. And if you respond in faith, that flows out in how you treat the word. You hear Jesus' words, you accept them, you treasure them. You're actually overwhelmed with thankfulness and joy. Every time you open the word, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Words, I wonder if you, you know, some of the words of Jesus just really soak and and bring you great joy. Words like, take heart, I have overcome the world. Words like, I'll be with you till the very end of the age. Words like, it is finished. If you're someone who who responds in faith, I wonder, do you treasure the time you have in the word each day? You actually prioritise it. Nothing else gets in the way because you you want to respect and live for Jesus. You want to honour him with your life. And so the best way to do that is to, to spend time with him in his word. And actually, as you do that, You actually live with Jesus as your king. And his words actually shapes every area of your life. You know, when Jesus' word says, do not give up meeting with other Christians, you prioritise that time in your colour. Nothing else will get in the way of that because that's that's what King Jesus says. When Jesus says, love your neighbour as yourself, you don't start to think to yourself, oh, who's my neighbour though, Jesus? You know, what do you mean by that? Or, you know, that's a really nice thought. No, no, you take it seriously. You honour him and respect him by trying to live that out, by loving and, and caring for the people who God has put around you. You see, responding in faith means listening, cherishing and obeying Jesus' word. So let me finish with a story uh, from Jesus, early in Matthew's biography, which I think really captures this idea. Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. See, rejecting Jesus' words is a rejection of him. But building your house on Jesus' words means you will stand. Let's pray that we would seek to honour him with our lives. Let's pray that we'd be people whose lives are built on Jesus' words. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you sent Jesus in the world to, to save us, to bring us back to you. Father, forgive us the times when we don't honour him with our lives. Father, help us not to have a small, comfortable or familiar picture of Jesus. Help us to remember he is the king of the universe who has died and is risen. And help us to continue to turn to him and treasure his life-giving words every day. In his precious name we pray. Amen.